that's coming. If you've got your Bibles, you want to follow on in there or follow on the screen, let's just go to 1 Samuel 17 for the moment and, and verse 42. Now, this is talking about David. David, who we know was a, the great king of Israel, kept the unity of the kingdom together, a man after God's own heart. He was a worshiper. He established a form, uh, an order of worship. He actually employed thousands of worshipers. And, and we know he was just such a great king and great leader. And the Bible acknowledges him. And the greatest statement about him is that statement, a man after God's own heart. And we know it was someone that God loved dearly. And in 1 Sam 17, verse 42, And the Philistines looked about and saw David, and he has disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy, and good-looking. Now, I want to just pick up my words, so let's go to 1 Samuel 16, back a little bit. Samuel said to Jesse, aren't there, are, this all the young, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and he is keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And so he sent and brought him in, and he was ruddy, with bright eyes and good-looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. You know, these couple of verses actually give me great hope in the Bible. They give me great excitement because David, this man that was called after God's own heart, this great leader, the Bible uses this word to describe him, ruddy. And if you go back to the old English and understand what ruddy means, it means redhead. I'm not sure if that's what the original writer was, was um, writing, but I'm going to claim it. I am on on that one. We do know there is one redhead person in the Bible, Rufus, the son of Simon the Cyrene, who carried the cross, who Paul refers to as a great man. The name Rufus means redheaded one. And so I know there's at least one ranger in the Bible. I'm claiming David as the second. And uh, because the reality is, us, us redheads... Um, we're the forgotten minority group. We really are. Is there any other redheads in the room this morning? There we are. Look at it. Look at us. There's about six. Oh, wow. We are up on the odds here. You was. No, you still are. It's just faded a little bit. And that's okay. What I found is I got older. My red hair slipped down the rest of my face. Apparently, we make up 2% of the population. But you don't understand how hard we actually have it. Because... Well, we get mistaken for matches. People think we can power things because we get mistaken for batteries all the time. Copper top. Even vegetables. Now, I I just have to correct people that, that call us carrot tops. If you notice the carrot there, the top of the carrot is what color? Green, thank you. That's good. We get confused with clowns. Go to a party and people look at your hair and they expect you to start blowing up balloon animals everywhere. If you go and blow up an animal, they get really upset. It did. That one went through to the keeper. That's all right. But we're we're a forgotten minority group. But in this, why, why do I tell you that and go on about that? Because really, this is one of those things of limitation. I don't know if your experience uh, when you were younger as a redhead was like mine, but um, for some reason the other children didn't think highly of me because of my hair. Copped all sorts of names and all sorts of 
teasing and, and all sorts of things. And then God spoke to my heart, I want you to go hang out with young people. And I'm like, hang on a sec, these are the same ones that ripped me to shreds growing up. And you want me to go speak to them? And I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's go hang out with young people. See, the thing is here, I say all that just for this. See, we often look at the limitations in our life. But God's often using them to provide opportunity. We often look at the things in our lives that limit us, but God really wants us. God sees an opportunity. Joseph was a slave in prison. God saw an opportunity for him to become too icy of a country. Saul was a murderer and chief oppressor of the church, but God saw an opportunity to make him the greatest theologian that ever lived. Jacob was a liar and a cheat, but God saw an opportunity to turn him into a great nation. Matthew, a tax collector. Peter, a big mouth. All these limitations that these people... Jesus' mom was pregnant outside marriage, and he was born in that. He was a Nazarite, a Nazareth, born in Nazareth of Nazareth descent. And people say that that's just like being born in Logan. What good can come out of Nazareth? But God saw the limitations, and he saw opportunity. And so I want to talk this morning about probably one of the famous stories in the Bible, following on the life of David about how we embrace the opportunities that God presents us in front of us and how we just grab hold of them and walk into them. And in in chapter 17, we hear this story. For 40 days, the Philistine, we know him as Goliath, came forward early in the morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread to your brothers and hurry to their camp. And then one of the strangest lines in the Bible Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander. I love how the Bible's specific about things sometimes. A lot of the time it's not specific about what I want it to be. But for some reason they decided to record, take these 10 cheeses, David. Here you go, take some cheddar and some Edom and some Gouda to the commander of the unit and see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance of them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left with the flock to take, left the flock in the care of a shepherd and loaded up and set out as Jesse directed him and he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked if his brothers were there. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now here we have a whole nation that's really living in this space of limitation. They're in fear of this army that's oppressing them and this army that's taken their land. They're in fear of this great warrior who comes out every day and taunts them and teases them and heckles them. He just says, you can't do anything against me. And they're just living in this place of oppression and they're just living in this whole state of limitation. And then young David comes along into this place and he doesn't see the limitations that are on that, but he looks and he sees something more. He sees the opportunity. And in the world of limitation, David had eyes for opportunity. And yet so often, we live in a world of opportunity and have eyes just for the limitations that we face. 
Right, people often see the limitations before opportunity. I just want to define those words for a bit. Limitation means to go to the utmost extent, the ultimate extent before the limit. Opportunity is the favorable, favorable conditions or favorable time. Now, when we think about life, when you think about your life, maybe your life at home or at work, maybe your ministry, maybe your neighborhood, where you're, where you're living, what you're up to, what do you think about first? Do you think about the opportunities that are in front of you? Or do you think about the limitations that are there? All of us often sit there and think, oh, oh the kids are there. I just can't do this because of the children. And oh, I just don't have the finances to be able to step out and do that. Or we look at just, oh, I just don't have the expertise or the skills to really step into that and, and to do that. We're, we're often more aware of our limitations and we miss the opportunities that are in front of us, all around us. Now, we've been doing some work at home recently and, and had to move some soil as part of that. Now, Suze, for a while now, has been asking me to, to build a garden bed and to raise the garden bed up so she can get the veggie garden going out the back so we can all eat well and eat healthy. And um, that's a good idea. I have to stop going to Macca's as much, but that's really neat. And so what we were doing is I've, I've sat there and I've seen the limitations of that. I just don't have the time. I've got to go get the wood. It's just the effort in, in all those things. And we've been getting some work done and some soil was coming out of the ground as part of that. And so Sue sat on that and she saw the opportunity. And um, here's the soil. So this morning I'm a little bit stiff from um, building and moving a few cubes of soil yesterday. Nothing compared to what Pastor Pete's been moving over the last few weeks. Uh, but so I spent yesterday building a veggie garden, and I feel it this morning, that's for sure. You know, often if we look at the limit, someone else will see the opportunity within that. They'll see the opportunity first. Now, I just think as a people, as a church, as a church, let's not be a people that, that look at the limits that are there. Let's not be a church which are constrained by the limits that we see, but let's be a church that recognize God's opportunities in front of us, that take hold of and see what God has. See, God never called us to be contained. We shared actually a verse before which talks about the blessings of God coming down. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven in Malachi 3.10 and pour out so much blessing that there's not enough room to store it, or as other translations say, there's not enough room to contain it. This is the reality. God's blessings were never meant to be contained. They were never meant to be contained in your life. They're meant to overflow from you to others and all around you and, and wherever you go. We're not meant to be a people who are contained. We're not meant to be a church who's contained, but a church who sees the opportunities and steps out with them, and we just run with this in hand. You know, we can look at our building, and we can look at it and think about the limitations. Oh, it needs a, a bit of work. There's some tiredness to it. I remember when I was running youth, I looked at it and went, I just really wish I had some grass. A big patch of grass would be fantastic. And then turn from that and go, well, what are the opportunities here? We've got a massive car park. Oh, look, somebody's left some trolleys in the car park. Fantastic. What an opportunity for some wonderful games to play with youth right now. We just need to find a couple of crash hats and we are set for some really good things going on. We have an opportunity here. We've got a large car park as a church. We're actually a church which today, if we applied to council, they would not let us build here. You cannot build a church this close to residential properties anymore. 
We have such an opportunity. We have a school a few hundred meters from our premises. We are an opportune location right where we are. And we want to grab hold of that. That's why we're doing things with the school. That's why we're doing things in the car park. Doing things, want to bless the community, recognizing what God's got in front of us. Yet we all tend to see limitations. Just like the, you see guys jump on for origin and, and um, playing for Australia and the football and things like that. And they, they get on and they come off and have their interview and go, oh, I just didn't have the game I really wanted. There just wasn't many opportunities for me out there today. I just didn't have the chance to really have the impact that I wanted. Well, what about the bloke sitting at home injured? Tell you what, he'd want your opportunity. He wants your opportunity just to be on the field. So often we look at the limitations in front of it. We might look at our workplace and see, oh, I'm just limited in what I can do. I'm limited in the effect that I have. And yet somebody else is looking at you. I just wish I had the opportunities you had there. In our families, I'm just limited by the children and, and the time they take and the effort they take. I can guarantee there's others that are sitting there going, I just wish I had the opportunity to bring up some children in the kingdom, bring up children in God. We need to look for opportunities. We often want somebody else's. We've heard this two-word phrase, haven't we? Equal opportunity. So often when you hear two-word phrases, throw them in the bin. Most of the time, someone's come up with that to try and just grab an emotional response from you to make it sound right but actually the premise behind it isn't, isn't that good. We know this, equal opportunity, marriage equality, experiential faith, all these, all these phrases which sound good on the outside, but actually underneath them have these other, other meanings that are going on. But equal opportunity, do we need equal opportunity? No. God's given you all the opportunity you need. You don't need somebody else's. You just need the opportunity that God's given into your hands and, and to see the opportunity that's there. Jesus said, You've got a saying, it's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. The harvest is ready now. We just need to look up. We just need to look up and see that the opportunity of God is right in front of us, ready there, and don't have eyes for limitations. You know, it's pretty easy to see the limitations. All I need to do is look in the mirror each morning and you, and you see the limitations that are on you. But seeing and recognizing the opportunities can sometimes be tougher. When I was younger and beginning in ministry, it was, it was easy to see the opportunities. There's one person sitting there. Fantastic. There's an opportunity for the kingdom of God. There's someone sitting on a bench by themselves. There's an opportunity to share the kingdom. Everything's in front of you. As we get older, sometimes we, we start to look at the limitations. Uh, if I just do this, I oh, know they're, they're not going to listen. If I just do this, it's not going to work out right. But we need to have those eyes that look and find the opportunity. As we look to 2017 and think about this is going to be God's best year ever, we need to take hold of these things. So David, David, here's a young man who when Israel was looking at the limitation, David saw the opportunity that was in front of him. And from verse 25 in chapter 17, the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? How he keeps defying Israel? The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will give his daughter in marriage, and he will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. And then David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes his grace, disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And then they repeated what, what had been saying, saying this will be done for the man who kills him. 
And when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and asked him, why have you come down here? He just wanted to show, didn't you? And with whom did you leave these sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? Then he turned to another man and brought up the same matter. And the the man answered as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. See, here's the first thing. Opportunities often exist inside of intimidating circumstances. The opportunities of God often exist inside of intimidating circumstances. Oh, Israel was afraid. That whole nation was threatened. They just weren't free. Philistines had come at them and attacked them. And everyone saw the limitation, except David. He heard the men talking. Whoever kills this guy is going to have great wealth. David was a young single man. His ears pricked up. Marry the king's daughter. And then the one that we all like, don't we? No taxes forever. And so just to be sure that he, he wasn't, hang on a sec, I, you're tricking me, aren't you? You're tricking, hey, hey, what's going to happen if I go kill this guy? Oh, great wealth. Marry the king's daughter. No taxes. You'll pull on my leg. And again, he goes and checks, and he just checks this in. He sees an opportunity going, King's daughter's all right. My dad would be happy with no taxes. That's going to be fantastic. Here's a great opportunity. But more than that, that's absolutely fantastic. But then we see really the heart of David. Because he comes and says, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? Who's this person who's defying God? Who's this guy that's putting down Jesus and putting down the church? I'm not going to stand for it. You know, as a people, when we see a financial opportunity, I hope that you take it. I hope you run at it and grab it with both hands. More than that, though, I hope when there's an opportunity to stand up for Jesus, that that's the heartbeat of us, that we're a people who stand up for Jesus in the face of those that would defy him, in the face of those that would put him down. The opportunities are not often things that we're comfortable with, not often easy. David was nowhere near as the size of Goliath, but there was the opportunity in front of him with that. It's something that deep down inside you begins to recognize, hang on, God's got something here for me to do. God's got something here for me to recognize. Something inside you sets up. But I can guarantee you this, not everyone around you will be happy. David's oldest brother was quite grumpy at him for wanting to seize this opportunity. Why have you even come down here, mate? How dare you? You're just just getting your jollies off watching the fight today. You just come to watch the fight and get off on that. And mate, that's nuts. I'm not in this with you. Here's the thing. When we see God's opportunity and start to run at it, even people close to us, sometimes we'll we'll say, no, that's not God. That's not happening. But we need to recognize when God's in something. And so the story goes on. And Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine to fight him. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to him, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came to carry off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. 
Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. See, when we start to recognize the opportunities of God, we'll start to see that actually our skill set fits it. We've actually got some skills that fit those things. See, others will look at you and go, you don't have the experience, you don't have the ability. Why would you even think about doing that? You're not good for that. You're no good. Saul looked at David and said, you're just a young kid. You don't even have any training with this. But David, he saw what he had. He saw that he's killed a lion and a bear and that this, this Philistine will just be like that. He'll just take it out. See that your skills fit the need. It's just like a job interview. When you go for a job and they send you a criteria and you go, well, what is that on about? And so you start going, what have I done? And, and fitting it into their holes and, and rewriting the application. You go, oh, well, I've done this. I've played tiddlywinks before. So um, that, can, that can work as teamwork. Yep, yep, I'm good as part of a team. And um, I've been able to do those things. And I've done that so I can do this. But most importantly, we recognize that it's God that gives us the upskilling. God will deliver. Goes on. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic and put a coat of armor on him and bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. And so he took them off. And then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the pouch on his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. You might notice how when you see opportunity, you'll notice how your skills fit it. But then the other thing you'll do, when the opportunity arises, you'll recognize in God's eyes that often things can be done a bit different. Things can be done just outside the norm. See, the temptation with God's opportunity, the temptation often comes to just intimidate how somebody else has approached that, to just... Just do it how they did it. Saul's like, this is how you fight. You put this armor on and you go out and that's how you fight him. But David went, no, I can't do that. Where's some little rocks? I can fling rocks really well. That's what I can do. And so he, he went and did that. The tribe of Judah, um, back in the early 2000s, they, um, they had the opportunity to go into the drag biking scene in America actually start competing against the other drag bikes. And, and so there was always a way that you built a drag bike. The way you built the drag bike was always the same. And one of them had a few crazy ideas about how to do it. And so they started to build it. Then they rock up at the events and people start looking at their bike going, this isn't going to work. You're not even going to get off the line with that thing. It's absolutely useless what you've built. It's, it's no good. Then they started competing. And they started winning. With it. They saw what other people had, and God gave them an idea. They saw an opportunity, and they recognized, we can do this a bit different. God gave them the eyes to do things a bit different, and they started competing for the glory of God and showing that God gives new ideas and, and turns ideas around. Maybe as you look at the things that are in front of you and are even thinking about the opportunities in front, maybe you've seen someone do something, you go, you know what, that can be done a bit better. If I do it this way, things can be done just that little bit different. We might be able to turn that around and do it, do it another way. And um, often that's the thing that we do with opportunity, that there will be a sense of inspiration, not imitation, within it. 
So David came out and he um, was looking at Saul, um, uh, at Goliath. Goliath comes out and looks at him and goes, who am I? Am I a dog that you're going to come at me with sticks? And he starts laughing and taunting David. And, and David says this, he, he came, David said the first line, you came against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I've come to you in the name of the Almighty, the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. And all those who are gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear, but it's the Lord who saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you even into our hands. You know, even as we step into, step into things, we see what God's got in front of us. We start moving into it. Oftentimes, those things start taunting us and hitting back at us. Often things start to get harder when we start stepping into what God has. Often they, it even feels like we're going backwards at times, going, hang on a sec. I thought God was in this, and it actually feels like I'm getting bogged down and not actually making any ground. I'm actually losing ground in this thing. David stepped out into the opportunity, and then the reality hit the road as soon as Goliath stood in front of him with his big spear and his armor bearer walking out right there, and the sword hitched to his side. Oh, hang on. Is this really what I want to do? Is this really the things that are there? Because it's going to require something. It's going to require you to trust God. So David had deep convictions in it. He knew what he needed, but I'm sure at that point he started to shake a little bit again. All the same, he knew he had five stones. Now, now some scholars tell us that he had five stones because Goliath had four brothers, not because he thought he was going to miss. You find that there's actually brothers of Goliath in the Word, talks about the other giants that are in there. And the scholars tell us that there's four other brothers in there. So he was ready for them to come and start and start trying to take him down because of that. Now, you notice this. David didn't sit there and say, Goliath stepped up and said, I'm the mighty warrior. You're a dog coming at me like that. David didn't turn around and say, I'm a mighty warrior too. I'm really practiced at this. I've got this. I'm going to take you down. Now, he looked at the opposition. And he said, God's going to deliver. God's going to deliver. We need to have the faith that God would get the glory whenever we take hold of his opportunity that's in front of us. There we go. And the Philistine moved closer to attack him, and David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead, and the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. Obviously, his head wasn't as hard as my son's when they run at me. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And David ran over, stood over him, and took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it, from the sheath and killed him and cut off his head with a sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran, and the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued them to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. The dead were strewn along the Saraim road to Gath and Ekron. David had all sorts of people telling him he couldn't do it. His brother, the king the rest of the Israel army, the opposition itself. Everyone was just sitting around, you can't do this. There's no one that, there's no way you can do this. But when he actually grabbed hold of the opportunity, walked into it and did it, all of a sudden, even those that were his biggest, the biggest voices against him became his most vocal supporters. So when we actually step into God's opportunity and run with it and start to see victory, 
that's when buy-in will happen. Other people will start to buy in. Other people will see the success, and they're drawn to it. People are drawn to success. When things start to happen and, and vision starts to come together and momentum starts to happen, people start flocking to it. They start running to it. You know, running with the opportunity when it's at first, it's hard doing it because often you're doing it on your own. You're pushing into those things on your own and you're stepping out in faith and you're grabbing hold of that. But all of a sudden you go, whoo, we've finally hit it okay. And then, oh, wow, I finally got friends and supporters in this. Look at that. And that could be a time we often get a little bit frustrated with us. Why weren't you here at the beginning? But that's something that's just exciting. That's just God. And that's the way things happen. Is That's when people will gather around and they'll start stepping into it and supporting with it. Huh. Yeah, as we look at next year, I just pray God's showing you and, and opening your eyes to the opportunities that lay in front of you. The things that he's got there for you to step into and grab hold of to do differently than anyone else has. To recognize this is where he is and that he's already placing inside you things that you're seeing and stirring up the hope for those things. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? Father, we recognize that you are a God whose desire is to pour blessing into our lives so that we wouldn't contain it. Lord, you're someone who says, look up. Look up. The opportunity is already there. It is in front of you. You don't have to wait for the harvest. It is already ripe. Lord, we thank you that you even harvest even before sowing happens. Lord, and so we stand here, Lord, we're just believing, we've been believing as a church that next year is going to be something great. That's going to be our best year ever. We're, we're believing that you have better things over time. You want to take us from glory to glory. And so, Father, we ask that you help us recognize Lord, not the limitations, but the opportunities that are in front of us. Lord, that we would not see those things that would hold us back, but we would see those things that we would step into and grab hold of, Lord. And Father, I just ask for your blessing and your favor on us. Lord, that you would just give us what we need to lay hold of these things. You would give us what we need to step into them, Lord, and to make a great fist of them. Lord, but we recognize we can't do it on our own. We need you. We need you to come through. We need you, and we want you to get the glory for the happening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And it's while we worship. Maybe you're here this morning. You just need prayer. Maybe you can see something already. See something that's in front of you that you just believe God wants you to step into. You know, I just want someone with faith just to believe with me for that. You know, I'd love to pray with you this morning if that's the case. And just pray into that vision and pray into that dream. Maybe you're here this morning and you've just got a need on your body or in your life and you just want someone to just pray with you for that. Why don't you make your way out as well? Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a place where you, maybe you've never met Jesus. Maybe you've even walked away. And you just need to go, I'm, I just need to get my life right with God this morning. In this place, I've come in this morning, I just need to get my life right with the King of all eternity. And, and if that's you this morning, just as we worship, why don't you make your way out the front as well? And someone that... Those who just love to, just loves God will just pray with you and just reintroduce you and just bring you closer to him again this morning. Amen. Let's just worship. You are